WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. A federal jury has convicted Adam Fox and Barry Croft Jr. on conspiracy charges related to a plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer two years ago. The verdicts were read just before noon today in a federal courtroom in Grand Rapids. After the verdicts were read, Assistant Special Agent in Charge with the FBI, David Porter, said this. The defendants in this case believe that their anti-government views justify violence. Today's verdict is a clear example that they were wrong in that assessment. Fox and Croft face up to life in prison when they're sentenced. In a statement, the governor says the verdicts prove violence and threats have no place in politics and those who seek to divide us will be held accountable. St. Joseph City Commissioners have approved some major water and sewer projects as the ongoing effort to update the city's water system continues. At a meeting last night, commissioners approved a $1.1 million engineering contract for a project at the water treatment plant that will involve the placement of equipment called clarifiers. City Manager John Hodgson tells us the work will be in 2024 and 25. That's the engineering. That includes the, the design engineering. It would also include the construction administration that will take place over about a two-year period while the construction takes place. The work will involve improvements to the roof, windows, doors, and skylights as well. Also last night, commissioners approved a $721,000 sewer project. What we're trying to do is reduce the amount of water making its way into sewer pipes that then causes or can cause overflows uh, and excess capacity going to the, the wastewater plant. The city's under a deadline for the sewer work to meet regulations. Otherwise, it could have been pushed back to wait for inflation to stop increasing costs. The St. Joseph High School baseball and softball fields at Dickinson Park will get one step closer to being renovated as of Monday evening as the St. Joe's School Board approved an agreement with engineering firm Abenmarsh for the final design, bidding, and construction administration services for the project. Superintendent Jenny Fee said the project will cost $1.5 million and was possible thanks to an anonymous donation to the St. Joseph Public Schools Foundation. Fee also clarified some uh, details to the board. Some of the field work, because there's going to be a complete overhaul, some of the field work has already begun, but it's just basic pieces. But in terms of we don't want to rip up the whole field because it wouldn't be done in time for this upcoming season, so most of that work will happen after the season. The city of St. Joe and the school board agreed in June to share the responsibilities as the city owns the property and that the park is on. The district will be responsible for upgrades to the dugouts, press box, fencing, and fields, while the city will renovate the bathrooms, playground, and parking lot. The first-ever John Lewis Good Trouble Awards are being planned by neighbors organizing against racism in Benton Harbor. The group's Trenton Bowens tells us they'll hold a banquet November 12th at the Oak Room at the Citadel. The awards are in the spirit of the John Lewis principle of good trouble. So what's good trouble? Whether it's an organization planning community gardens or rehabbing homes or if it's standing up for women's rights or standing up for voting rights. Bowen says there will be multiple categories of awards. We'll be giving awards to businesses, citizens, and organizations of all walks of life because of their commitment into this community or their commitment to neighbors organizing against racism. The November banquet will feature former WNDU anger Joshua Short as keynote speaker and also honor Alex Kolowitz, the author of The Other Side of the River, who will be there. Plus, there will be an auction as the event is also a fundraiser. You can get tickets at the Facebook page of Neighbors Organizing Against Racism. 
Summer tourism this year in Michigan has been strong, but not at pre-pandemic levels. Pure Michigan Vice President Dave Lorenz says he doesn't believe inflation or high gas prices are what kept tourism this year from really soaring. He thinks it was a labor shortage that affected the season. If I was to put a grade on it, I would give it a B. We're almost there, but we're not there yet. People are starting to feel comfortable with traveling safely again, and that's a good thing. The big problem, though, inflation, Uh, gas prices, uh, high cost for general living right now is really taking a bite out of that discretionary dollar. Lorenz says travelers experienced high levels of frustration at understaffed businesses like restaurants and hotels as well. He thinks that's a bigger factor. He says he's confident that there were more people working at the kinds of establishments that travelers visit. The season would have been better. A group of public health leaders across Michigan have announced plans to study the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on Michigan, including the effects of public health enforcement orders on businesses and schools. Norm Hess is the director of the Michigan Association for Local Public Health, which commissioned the study. There's been a lot of commentary along the way. Uh, There's not been time to sort of stop and affirm or put to rest some misinformation that's been going on. And so we really felt like it was important for us to do this. It is a several month process. We don't imagine that our final report will be out until January or February. Public sector consultants of Lansing, a nonpartisan third party research firm, will help lead the study. And after spending most of his life working for others in the entertainment and hospitality world, local entertainer and artist Nick May is hosting his first event, a Jamaican dinner and fire show this Saturday at the Collective in Benton Harbor. May says the event was partially inspired by his desire to work toward his own vision as well as his Jamaican heritage. I am Jamaican on my mom's side. I took a trip there last year. It was very eye-opening to how blessed I am to be born on this side of the soil. Jamaica's suffering. So like ever since that, that trip last year, I wanted to make more of what I was already doing. In addition to being a fire performer, May has been a DJ, videographer, restaurant manager, and much more in the industry. He says with the event, he's also trying to give back in his own way, and a portion of the proceeds will be given to the Boys and Girls Clubs of Benton Harbor. I went down to their school, and I saw what they were doing with teaching kids tech, and like that's one of the biggest things to me right now is teaching kids tech and the power that everybody has when it comes to making something for themselves out of just using the reminder creativity and getting up and learning. Dinner orders are no longer available, but Mays says that tickets for the fire show can be bought for $20 at the door. There will be three performances from May and others throughout the evening. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News Now continues. Former President Donald Trump filed a motion in federal court this week seeking the appointment of a third party called the Special Master to review the documents seized from the raid at his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. Trump and his legal team also want an injunction that would bar the government from reviewing more materials. That's as ABC News has learned that in January there were 700 pages of classified materials in Trump's possession, according to a May letter sent to Trump's attorney from the National Archives. More from ABC's Aaron Katursky. They took boxes out in January. We know 15 different boxes uh, were retrieved by the National Archives, but the investigators didn't get access to them for a number of months during negotiations with former President Trump's attorneys. And then, of course, two weeks ago, the search occurred even after one of the, the former president's attorneys had certified that there were no more classified materials at the former president's home. And we now, of course, know that not to be the case. The Colorado Ski Resort Steamboat Springs has passed regulations for short-term rentals 
like those booked on Airbnb amid a severe housing crisis. The ordinance prohibits new short-term rentals in most of the city and requires landlords to obtain a license to operate. Renting short-term, defined as fewer than 30 days, has become increasingly popular for second homeowners and investors who can charge hundreds of dollars a night. Vacation towns facing low housing supply, like here in southwest Michigan, from Lincoln County on Oregon's coast to Ketchum and Idaho's Smoky Mountains are now grappling with how to regulate the industry. Steamboat Springs' new rules could prove to be a model for others. Following Dr. Anthony Fauci's announcement of his plans to step down from his duties at the White House and the National Institutes of Health in December, several Republican lawmakers are already calling for his testimony at COVID-19 hearings should their party gain a House majority after the November midterms. Dr. Fauci says he'd consider it more from ABC's Justin Finch. Louisiana Republican Steve Scalise was among the first in the House to call for Dr. Fauci's testimony in potential COVID-19 hearings next year. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy echoing that call, as are Republican Senators Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. Dr. Fauci not ruling it out. I'd be happy to cooperate so long as we make it something that is a dignified oversight, which it should be and not just bringing up ridiculous things and attacking my character. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. Florida governor and Republican powerhouse Ron DeSantis will learn the identity of his general election opponent after today's primary. Florida Democrats are deciding a fiercely fought contest between a congressman and a former Governor Charlie Crist and Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed. Crist has spent a lifetime in politics, much of it as a Republican, while Freed casts herself as something new with hopes of becoming Florida's first female governor. In New York, congressional primaries include a race between two powerful Democratic committee chairs, Carolyn Maloney and Jerry Nadler, as well as other incumbents fending off challenges from the left. New findings from Pfizer on how effective its vaccine is for young children have been released. More from Derek Dennis. Pfizer is out with new data showing its vaccine continues to reduce the risk of COVID-19 in young children six months to four years old. Unlike Moderna's two-shot vaccine, Pfizer's is given as three initial doses for this age group. Pfizer says the three doses were 73% effective against mild and symptomatic illness from Omicron and its subvariants. And the vaccine efficacy is even higher when protecting against severe illness, though no percentage was given. The company finding three doses of the Pfizer vaccine continues to be well tolerated in this age group with mild or moderate side effects. Derek Dennis, ABC News. A former Louisville police detective who helped write the warrant that led to the deadly police raid at Breonna Taylor's apartment has pleaded guilty to a federal charge. Investigators say Kelly Goodlett added a false line to the warrant and later conspired with another detective to create a cover story when Taylor's 2020 shooting death by police began gaining national attention. Taylor was shot to death by officers who knocked down her door while executing a drug search warrant. Goodlett appeared in a federal courtroom in Louisville today and admitted to conspiring with another police officer to falsify the warrant. The floodwaters are still receding after yesterday's historic rainfall in parts of Texas. ABC's Jim Ryan's in Dallas that was especially hard hit. By midday on Monday, storm drains and underground pipes were simply overwhelmed by the rainfall. There is no infrastructure that can withstand 15 inches of water in five hours. But Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson says... It doesn't absolve us of the responsibility to look and see where we have deficiencies. The city will apply for federal funds to help with uninsured losses caused by the extremely rare and tremendously destructive storms. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas. The online review site Yelp said today it's rolling out a new feature to protect users seeking abortions from being misled about anti-abortion pregnancy centers listed on the platform. 
Such centers are typically religiously affiliated and deter clients from having an abortion. On Tuesday, Yelp said it will place a consumer notice on the listings, informing users that the centers, quote, typically provide limited medical services and may not have licensed medical professionals on site. In 2018, moderators for the San Francisco-based company began recategorizing listings for such organizations as crisis pregnancy centers or faith-based crisis pregnancy centers. The organizations had previously considered themselves reproductive health services and medical centers, among other things. And it shouldn't come as a big surprise, but the life expectancy dropped in the same year that the pandemic started. More from ABC's Sherry Preston. Americans are now living an average of 77 years, but before 2020, it was almost two years more than that, 78.8 years, according to the CDC. Federal health officials say every state saw a decline in life expectancy during their first year of the pandemic, mainly because of COVID, but also due to what's being called unintentional injuries, mainly drug overdoses. Hawaii has the highest life expectancy and Mississippi the lowest for both men and women. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.